learning. All of us have experienced it, but do we really know how it happens? Join us as we investigate the ways we learn. This is On Learning. Hi, folks. Welcome to our new podcast called On Learning. I'm Sean Dagoni-Clark. Oh, I'm Brian Tobel. And uh, we worked together at Flatiron School um, for... Brian was there for about a year. I was there for a year and a half and uh, got to know each other. And we actually did a podcast episode together there. And when we left Flatiron, we thought, hey, it'd be fun to keep this going. So um, thank you for listening in. Yeah, I was always just looking for a reason to talk with you. So now <laughs> I've accomplished that. <laughs> and other people get to listen to Check. our ramblings. Yes. Right. So uh, this is going to be a short initial episode. We wanted to just introduce ourselves a little bit, talk about the intent of the podcast, um, maybe get into some, just if it becomes sort of an organic conversation, a conversation about learning in general, um, and then just what we'll be doing with this thing that you've now tuned into. So um, my background is in education, um, as is Brian's, but I'll let him share his. I was at uh, Riverdale Country School, an independent private school for um, 14 years. I was, I, while I was there, I took my master's in educational technology at Teachers College, and then I came to Flatiron School, and I'm now at HackerU. Um, both are boot camps that teach adults how to change careers in a relatively short time. Um, and so my interest has always been in, as I've sort of evolved my career in education, it's been in the educational theory and the learning theory side of it and how you apply that in the classroom. And so at Flatiron, I was very lucky to be able to do a podcast called Pursuing Mastery, which was all about educational theory and teaching practice and interviews with interesting people and things like that. And it was a lot of fun to be able to talk about it. And so we're going to keep that kind of thinking going here. Do you want to share your background? Yeah, sure. So my name is Brian Tobel. Uh, I've been in a lot of places in education. Uh, my, my undergrad was in technology education. Um, so that was mostly looking at um, how a how you use technology to teach people, but it also broadened out and, and allowed me to teach things like shop and physics and things like that, uh, which I did. Um, so I taught for a few years in elementary school and a high school. Uh, from there, I worked as a researcher uh, with a professor from Columbia for three years. And so I made the jump from actually like teaching in a classroom to learning how to study and observe and measure uh, what's actually happening. Um, and then from there, I moved into the startup world. Um, so at this point, I've worked at half a dozen different ed tech companies, uh, started two myself, um, built a lot of different LMS platforms and learning platforms. So I would say for the last 10 years, I've really had like one foot in educational theory, education, like educational research, and the other foot in actually having to build tools and products that apply these things and run businesses. Um, and those things are often at tension, um, right? Like what makes a successful business isn't always what makes a successful classroom. Mm -hmm. And applying learning principles to make a product that people use has been sort of one of the, the main places that I've, uh, that I've been playing around with for the last, I would say, seven, eight years. Yeah. Uh, and the, the failure pile is pretty high there. <laughs> That's for sure. That's um, part of being in startups, though. But, uh, you know, at this point, I've built uh, over 50 curriculums, um, and that ranges from corporate training programs to, you know, like data science programs uh, and cyber. Well, I helped on the cybersecurity one at Flatiron. Mm. 
and seven to eight different learning apps. Um, the last one that I built was called Hickory, uh, which went through the YC program. And it essentially focused on forgetting. Um, and it would measure everything that sort of happened in the learning environment. Um, and it would make predictions on when you were likely to forget. And it would bring back that information to keep that from happening. Mostly relying on a lot of like space repetition algorithms and things like that. Um, but that's sort of the realm that I've been playing with is, you know, understanding what the theory is trying to say. And then, okay, how do I actually turn this into a product that gets usage and actually produces results? And how do you measure those results? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the world that I've been playing in. Um, yeah, and the stuff, I mean, you've, you've shared some of your experiences and your thinking about Hickory. And I've said to you many times that I really wish I had known about that yeah. when I was a tech <laughs> director market, at Riverdale. <laughs> Um, because the stuff that you were doing um, around spaced repetition, which may end up being one of the topics that we discussed, we have, a, I think, a pretty good episode on that in Pursuing Mastery, if anybody's mm -hmm. interested in checking that out. But the, the stuff that you were doing with spaced repetition and really analyzing the success of learning, success of learning, right. uh, that was fantastic. And, um, and that, that was one of the things that really drew me to wanting to speak with you. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that really colors my view on, on learning as well is I think the thing that the entire or one of the things that the, the industry is missing is a measuring stick. Um, a lot of people are making judgments about effectiveness based on how they feel mm -hmm. or on surveys that come after the fact. <clears throat> and I think one of the things that I've been pushing towards for the last four or five years now is like, how do we begin to get an objective measurement, right? And, and not, that doesn't mean to like, so we can like say with certainty that these people know this to this well, but at least reduce uncertainty. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's sort of how I approach the entire space is that, you know, whether it's unschooling or Montessori or, you know, whatever approach that, that you might take, I, I'm sure that they all have use cases. I think the thing that I'd be curious to, to start to really press on people is like, well, how do you know? Yeah. How do we know that this is effective? How are we thinking about that? And that that's the lens that I sort of always approach everything with is like, how would I measure this? How would, yeah. I, how would I get a, a number back that tells me, oh, wow, look, this actually was more effective then. Yeah. Well, and that's really one of the fallacies of the educational system, that there's so much intuitive education. Um, you know, I, I did this in class for right. years. I right. think this works really well. I'm going to keep doing it, which is cool. But <laughs> and probably you, accurate. Maybe it's accurate, yeah, right? But do you actually know if it's accurate? Do you know if your students are understanding? One of the things that I really drill in on with our teachers uh, at HackerU, but also what I did at Flatiron was talking about checks for understanding and right. making sure that your students actually know what you think they know. There's There's so much in education right now that's like, this is a cool product, this is a cool yep. idea, we should use it, yep. or this is something that we've been doing for 20 years, which is always the worst reason to do something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this has been working for a century, let's keep it going, um, without any sort of measurement about its effectiveness, really. Yeah, and I think that's part of what I'm like, one of the things I'm hoping to explore here in this podcast is like, okay, as we talk to people, right, let's look maybe, at, let's, let's talk to them, see what they're at, they are actually seeing like on the ground, like as we talk to maybe early childhood people, and they're applying some sort, some specific methodology. Well, how are they thinking about effectiveness? What are they actually trying to do? Um, and hearing it from them, but then also like looking at the research and you know maybe coming up with crazy experiments, you know, if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of like my interest with this podcast here is like I, I want to broaden my understanding of what's actually happening in the market because, or not in the market, the 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 field. Um, because I've been stuck inside the startup world for you know eight nine years now. And I'm sure there's cool stuff happening in the classrooms that I don't know about. I mean, right. you know, so yeah. that, that's sort of where I want to go. 
Yeah, and and to just to sort of bridge to what we're intending to do with this podcast, obviously the two of us are really interested in learning in general. Um, we also recognize that we're not necessarily the most expert in all areas of learning. <laughs> we're very curious. We're very curious, <laughs> but not necessarily knowledgeable. And so one of the things that we really want to do is to find some really interesting people and talk to them about whether it's learning theory or psychology of learning or application. What's worked for them. Yeah. Um, and, and just make that part of the, the conversation and the thought process on this. So one of the things that I'm interested in studying is, or, or investigating in this podcast is the psychology of learning. My wife is actually a psychologist and she could be our first victim or <laughs> interviewee. I got a couple of those too. Not wives, but psychologists <laughs> that we can. Good to clarify. Yeah. Um, but she's, when I've spoken with her about education um, and also just about the work that she does and how she does mm -hmm. her work with her patients, there's a massive amount of overlap between psychology and education. So that's something that really interests me. And so I imagine we could speak with her, but also she can connect us with some other people in the field and we can reach out and find some really interesting educational psychologists or even just psychologists to talk to about this. And then another thing I've been thinking about as a possible route for investigation is talking to some of the people in the ed tech world about how they think about education and why their products do the kind of thing that Brian's product tried to do to really improve learning and not just make a sale. Yeah. So I think that could be an interesting avenue also. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to go pretty heavily probably into the ed tech world, at least in the beginning, just based it's on sort the of easy <laughs> Yeah, based on the network. I, I think I follow along the same level of interests. I mean, for me, this is really a vehicle for exploration, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I, I'm excited to not only talk to you, but to use this to talk to other people about fields ranging from like creativity um, to um, like how do you actually measure the effectiveness of a classroom? Um, mm -hmm. Like those are like all and all the topics in between are interesting. I think the two places that I've been spending the most time is a in around measurement of effectiveness, right? Like how do we know that this is right? And the second one being more cognitive, cognitive where you know, how does the mind take in information and create knowledge? How does it create meaning? Um, and, and what does that mean for a teacher, right? Like how, how really starting to look at some of the stuff that's coming around out around like decision-making, mm -hmm. right? Like to me, that's like the, the one of the ultimate, not ultimate forms of learning, but one of the more interesting aspects of the field now is, you know, how are people taking in these disparate pieces of information and actually making a judgment, actually making a choice? Mm -hmm. um, that feels very personal and interesting to me. So I'm approaching right now um, becoming a better writer, hmm. right? I could take a course. Maybe I should. Um, but to me, I'm, I, I enjoy the exploration of watching how I learn it versus actually taking the course. So what I've done is I've hired two, two coaches one acts as more of a like th theoretical writer um like here's what great writing is kind of person like talking and they can talk broadly about the field right they can talk about mark twain as quickly as they can talk about stephen king as they can talk about lord byron you know who knows mm -hmm. um and then the other one is like very much a line editor where he's like this word choice is weird so it's um, theoretical from one and the technical from the other yeah like what if you combine these paragraphs what if you did this yeah um and, and then on top of that, like I'm reading about writing, I'm taking in notes and I have like a huge space or petition, um, system that I'm running now. I'm actually doing the same thing with learning to code, mm -hmm. same process. 
Um, and it's basically what that is, is just bringing the information back to me over and over and over again. And I can't always use, I, I can never use all of it, but every so often, you know, three or four pieces of information will be the exact keys that I was missing. Right. right? Yeah, we I talked about this. Talking about that. And so like, that is sort of my process now for following my interest, mm -hmm. um, the reactive learning. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's you know valuable. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where this will lead. Uh, like I said, I just do things to see where they break often. Um, well, and and I think that. Sorry, I rambled there. No, no, no. That was that was great. And I I think that partly it's your that you just you have a serious intellectual curiosity um, that a lot of students don't have. Yeah. In the field that they're studying, and so like you're you're choosing the thing that I mean we talked about motivation. You're choosing the thing that you're really interested in. Right you're motivated to learn so now you're going to dig really deep and you know get better at it a student who is in 10th grade taking an english class yeah. isn't necessarily as motivated which is one of the downfalls i think of the prescriptive side and it has a oh, bunch of benefits yeah. Yeah. um there, there there are two things off of what you said that i think are interesting one is and it's something that i, I i've seen over and over again across every classroom there's this mentality, and I don't know if it's now or if it's always been this way. I'd love to talk to some old teachers mm -hmm. of like, the, and, and I know you know what I'm talking about here. The course is supposed to do everything for me versus I'm trying to get everything I can out of this course. Yeah, we talked about that at Flatiron. Oh. We're talking about it at Hacker U. Yeah. Like that mentality, I think, is sort of, there, there's prying that open, there's something in there, right? There's a pearl in there that like, I would love to talk to some people about like, has it always been this way? Mm -hmm. Like we're kids in the fifties this way. Like we need some like 90 year old teacher in here to talk to. Right. Or, or was the culture at the time similar to what it is in Asia now, where it's like the parents, the entire community tell you that this is valuable. You're going to go learn this. You're going to go to the Hakwan after school mm -hmm. and study up on your math. Right. Like the kids, the, there's something to that mentality that yeah. I think makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, well, and it makes, gonna, it, it makes it really hard to scale an instit uh, educational institution, too. If they're expecting the course to do everything for well, them. Well, those, that, that, those people exist in the student population, yeah. right? Like, and they're hard to, like, it's hard to know which one is which <laughs> until you start teaching them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that also takes me to thinking about the traditional system of education that basically sets up students to have that mindset. You right. know, like we're gonna we're gonna spoon feed you. We're gonna spoon feed you. We're gonna walk you through the assembly line model. You, at the end of the year, you're checked off as learning everything exactly. that you need to learn, and we'll move you to the next thing. So why wouldn't that create that kind of mindset? Yeah, and what's fascinating is like those structures are actually really great data sources that should be used, I think, to measure the efficacy of the institution. Yeah. Right. So like how well the students are meeting the standards. Every school should be looking at that in order to like improve their curriculums and teaching process. I think using it to gate students is where the mistake probably is. And I would mm -hmm. love to talk to some people about like assessment and stuff like that. And then, you know, talking to the curriculum experts that and the instructional designers and, yeah. you know, I, I would love to just get a full survey of what's going on out there. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that's interesting to people. And yeah. if not, it'll be interesting to us. It'll certainly be interesting to us. And as, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the different ages of learners and what learning exactly. is like at different ages. I think that could be a really interesting thing. Think about early childhood ed versus, you know, secondary ed versus higher ed versus, versus adult training. Learning. Yeah. Training versus teaching because they are different. Mm -hmm. um, similar ideas, obviously similar outcomes, hopefully, that you understand and you're able to do things, but very different mechanism for, for the experience. Yeah. A fun early place to maybe start, too, would be the, the 
the micro school movement that's is kind of taking off now where mm-hmm. you have places like Wonder School and um, Out School who are sort of, you know, approaching the homeschooling market in a new way where, you know, Wonder School is basically allowing, you know, pre-kindergarten style classrooms to spring up in someone's home. Mm-hmm. So you could have like six or eight students inside your home. And, and you know, how are they thinking about curriculum, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, how are they thinking about making sure that every classroom is of quality? What are they actually trying to get the students or the learners in, the, in that case? Um, where are they trying to take them from to two? Or are they even thinking about it that way? Yeah. Like that to me, like that's like a, a that seems like it's going to be like a, a big burgeoning future there. I and mean, I'd be curious to talk to them. Yeah. All the way to what we just said, like trainers inside of Bloomberg. Yeah. Like how are you training people to do their jobs here? Yeah. Right. Like what are the similarities? What are the differences? I, I actually don't know. And that's what's exciting. It's like there's a there's an opportunity to hear from those people. Yeah, and nobody definitely. talks to them. Yeah, and uh, on OutSchool, I think you had actually mentioned it to me. I don't think I knew about it before you mentioned it to me. And I actually signed my daughter up, my <laughs> nine-year-old, for one of the classes. We should and get them as a sponsor now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a kickback. Um, she, <laughs> she took a class on... Harry Potter, it was something with Harry Potter and writing that yeah. I forget exactly. Spell what, writing maybe or something, yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't spell writing. It was like talk about a character in Harry Potter that you like. And <laughs> she was really into the idea of taking this course. And so I sat with her while she took it. And it was a really well-structured class. It's funny. They I did think, a great job. I think your maybe eight-year-old daughter in my almost 30-year-old wife would probably fall in love with that same class. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the link. Again, out school if you're listening, kickback, yeah, please. Yeah, kickbacks. We, we, we need money. <laughs> um, all right, so I think we ought to probably wrap this up. Uh, we're going to try to release these about once a month at Flatiron. I, was, I, I actually managed to hold to a release cycle of once every two weeks for an entire year, and it was kind of exhausting. And so we're going to go for something a little more relaxed since we're doing this on our own time. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll release these somewhere around hopefully the beginning of each month, um, and and we hope you stay tuned. And also, if you have ideas for episodes, or if you're listening and you're interested in talking with us about education or learning, please let us know. How would they do that? I have no idea because we haven't set this. <laughs> we haven't set up the hosting yet. Just just send a direct message to at Brian Tobel on Twitter. I love getting Twitter DMs. Yeah, and I'm at, me. And I'm at Dagoni Clark, uh, D A G O N Y C L A R K, and you can certainly message me too. And we'll have that in the in the episode notes. <laughs> that, that'll work for now. <laughs> this is a great episode one. I'm really happy with this ditty. Yeah, I'm gonna really love doing this. Um, Okay, so I think that's it. Folks, thanks for listening, and um, thanks for your interest, and we'll talk to you again in a month. Bye.